This episode of the Daily 202 podcast is brought to you by Facebook. At Facebook, we've taken critical steps to prepare for the U.S. elections. We've more than tripled our safety and security teams, implemented five-step ad verification, and launched a new voting information center. Learn more at facebook.com slash about slash elections. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is the Daily 202 for Wednesday, September 30th. In today's news... ICE prepares targeted pre-election arrests of immigrants to amplify President Trump's re-election message. USPS workers quietly resist the Postmaster General's changes to make sure ballots get delivered on time. And Michael Flynn's lawyer personally briefed the president on his case. But first, the big idea. No one alive has ever seen a presidential debate like Tuesday night's unseemly shout fest between Trump and Joe Biden. It was 90 minutes of invective, interruptions, and personal insults. Our chief correspondent, Dan Balls, who's been covering politics for us since the early 1970s, describes it as an insult to the American people, a sad example of the state of democracy five weeks before the election. On the margins, the debate probably did more to help Biden than the president, at a moment when Trump desperately needed to change the shape and trajectory of the race. But that's not what people will remember. Even partisans locked into their choices were probably dispirited at what they witnessed. One can only imagine what the next two debates between these two men will look like. For decades, these general election debates have provided Americans with the opportunity to measure the candidates in an open forum, with moderators aiming to stay out of the way whenever possible. They've always included showmanship and sharp exchanges, but within the boundaries of what people expect of presidents. All of that went out the window last night. The tone of the debate was established by Trump in the opening minutes, and it never changed until the end of the evening. The president constantly ignored moderator Chris Wallace's repeated pleas to maintain order as he took every opportunity, and more, to verbally hector Biden, trying to throw his rival off balance and taking up as much space on the stage as possible. What we saw was the Trump who lives on Twitter, not someone who occupies the highest office in the land. Advised to maintain his cool, Biden constantly looked peevish at Trump's behavior, responding at times with well-prepared rejoinders, but also with dismissive verbal broadsides. Exasperated at one point, the former vice president shot back at the current president, will you shut up, man? Biden also called Trump a clown. In his performance, he cleared the low bar of expectations that Trump had inexplicably set for him, but he hardly delivered a shining performance. The reality TV star president knows one speed on a debate stage, to attack, to bully his opponent, and to ignore the rules. More often than not, rather than engaging in exchanges that even bordered on civil, Trump and Biden talked over and passed one another. Judging the debate by traditional standards gives the evening more credit than it deserves. Biden came ready to make his points and at times was far more focused and disciplined in doing so than the president. He had prepared a lot more, but Trump was playing a different game. He hit Biden hard, especially his son Hunter, and on law and order. In one moment, he seemed to have a prepared and consistent line of criticism that his supporters were probably applauding. He tried repeatedly to hang the socialist label around Biden, and perhaps to the dismay of some on the left, Biden ran away from any suggestion that he's captive to the liberal wing of the party. 
At times, each man declined to answer direct questions about his positions and policy proposals. Biden would not say whether he'll support expanding the Supreme Court if he wins the election and Democrats capture the Senate. Trump refused to answer directly whether he paid just $750 in federal income taxes for 2016 and 2017. Even though he's the incumbent, Trump needed this debate more than Biden. He's been unable to break across a barrier that would move his support into the high 40s. He's been stuck in polling averages somewhere around 43%, 44% since the late spring. Well, Biden has been around 50% or above since the beginning of last summer in head-to-head matchups. Trump's challenge last night was to change the race from a referendum on his presidency, including his handling of the coronavirus, into a clear choice between him and Biden. That's the goal of any incumbent president, but especially for this one, who's used his office to make himself front and center every day in every way he can, but in ways that are now hurting him politically. Instead, though, Trump chose not to make this election a choice, and keeping it a referendum will cost him. Biden definitely missed opportunities, but his only real goal was to do nothing to change the race. On that minimal goal, he succeeded. This has been called the most important election in generations, some say in the life of the country. But that's not what anyone who tuned in saw. Partisans will call winners and losers as they see them, and those judgments will be predictable. Collectively, though, this was not a night when the country could claim victory. Instead, it was quite the opposite. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this hump day. Number one, sources inside Immigration and Customs Enforcement say they've been directed to prepare pre-election operations for photo ops in so-called sanctuary cities. The first wave of ops could begin in California later this week. It would then be expanded to other cities in swing states, such as Denver and Colorado and Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. Chad Wolf, the acting secretary of Homeland Security, will probably travel to at least one of those jurisdictions where the operations will take place to boost Trump's election campaign claims that Democratic leaders in those cities are failing to protect residents from dangerous criminals. Two officials with direct knowledge of plans for the sanctuary city op described it to my colleagues Nick Miroff and Devlin Barrett as a political messaging campaign and not a major ICE operation, noting that the agency already concentrates on immigration violators with criminal records and routinely arrests them without any fanfare. Trump's also pushing to build more chunks of the border wall before the election. Construction crews are now being paid to work overtime to add nearly two miles per day. The latest figures show the rate of construction has nearly doubled since the beginning of the year, accelerated by orders to cut through national forests, wildlife preserves, and other public lands under federal control. Officials are doing this so that they can have a ceremony with pomp and circumstance for Trump during the weeks before the election so that he can boast about building 400 miles of new fencing. Number two. Postal Service mechanics in New York drew out the dismantling and removal of mail sorting machines until their supervisor gave up on the order. In Michigan, a group of letter carriers did an end run around a supervisor's directive to leave election mail behind, starting their routes late so that they could sift through it. In Ohio, postal clerks culled prescriptions and benefit checks from bins of stalled mail to make sure they were delivered to folks who depend on them. While some carriers ran late items out on their own time. In Pennsylvania, some postal workers have looked for any excuse, a missed turn, heavy traffic, a rowdy dog, 
to buy enough time so that they can finish their daily rounds. Several of the Postal Service's 630,000 workers tell our Jacob Bogage that they feel a duty, a moral duty, to counteract orders from Trump's Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy, that have slowed down the mail. They say DeJoy is politicizing the institution in service to a president who is actively trying to sow distrust of mail-in voting and insisting without evidence that it will lead to massive fraud. They want the American people to know they've got their backs. Meanwhile, Democratic voters who have requested mail ballots and returned them greatly outnumber Republicans in key battleground states. This is causing a growing sense of alarm among GOP party leaders and strategists that Trump's attacks on the mail and mail-in voting are hurting his party's prospects to retain the White House and the Senate this year. Of the more than 9 million voters who requested mail ballots through Monday in Florida, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Maine, and Iowa, the five battleground states where we have publicly available data, more than half, 52%, were Democrats. Only 28% were Republicans, and the other 20% were unaffiliated. Additional internal Democratic and Republican Party data obtained by my colleagues Amy Gardner and Josh Dossie show a similar trend in Ohio, Minnesota, New Hampshire, and Wisconsin. Even more alarming to many Republicans, Democrats are also returning their ballots at far higher rates than GOP voters in two of those states where that information is available, Florida and North Carolina. Number three, former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn's lawyer says that she personally briefed Trump this month on his case and asked the president to hold off on issuing a pardon for now. The disclosure in open court by Flynn's attorney, Sidney Powell, was one of the more wild moments during a contentious five-hour hearing yesterday before U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan into whether the court should grant the Justice Department's request to dismiss the case. Flynn's lawyer initially declined to answer Sullivan's questions about her interactions with Trump, claiming executive privilege. Powell later relented after the judge noted that she's not a government official and random people can't just claim such a privilege. Flynn pleaded guilty in 2017 to lying to the FBI about his contacts with the Russian government. But Attorney General Bill Barr is trying to let him off, apparently at the behest of the president. A DOJ lawyer rejected assertions during the hearing that Barr ordered the case abandoned for corrupt political purposes. Over on Capitol Hill, Senate Republicans' election season gambit to scrutinize the 2016 investigation of Trump's campaign will resume later today with public testimony from former FBI Director Jim Comey. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham, the Republican from South Carolina, organized this hearing with Comey as part of his longstanding review of the counterintelligence probe known as Crossfire Hurricane. Graham is one of three Senate Committee chairmen looking into the matter on suspicion that law enforcement scrutinized Trump because they were biased. Meanwhile, Former special counsel Bob Mueller issued a rare public statement to deny allegations in a new tell-all book from one of his former prosecutors. Mueller's statement came on the official publication date for that new book I told you about last week by Andy Weissman, a former top member of the Mueller team. Weissman says that the team did not fully investigate Trump's financial ties, and they should have stated explicitly in their report that they all believed the president obstructed justice. Mueller said it was disappointing that one of his aides went public with internal disagreements and said he was the office's ultimate decider and takes responsibility for all the calls that he made. Weissman lamented after Mueller's statement that they did not subpoena the president or his son or even try to interview his daughter, Ivanka. 
And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, September 30th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. This episode of the Daily 202 podcast is brought to you by Facebook. At Facebook, we've taken critical steps to prepare for the U.S. elections. We've more than tripled our safety and security teams, implemented five-step ad verification, and launched a new voting information center. Learn more at facebook.com slash about slash elections.